you will, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In just a few minutes, we'll look at Ephesians chapter 5, and then we'll look at Ephesians chapter 6. Today, we want to continue our sermon series, I Am a Church Member. This will be sermon number four of five sermons. Sermon number one, I shared with you about I'm a functioning church member. We realize that there is a drastic decline in the number of churches in America today. Many believe that it's because that many of us have lost our biblical understanding of what it means to be a biblical church member. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul makes it very clear that a biblical church member is a functioning church member. Then Paul compares the physical body and the body of Christ, the church. There's only one body, but many members. Each member of the human body is important. Each member has its own particular function. The purpose of the eye, the purpose of the nose, the ears, the hands, the feet are one and the same in that they are to carry out their own particular function. The point is that if you've been saved, if you've been saved, you are to be a functioning member of the body of Christ, giving cheerfully and serving in ministry without any hesitation whatsoever. Now remember, biblically speaking, there is no such thing, there is no such thing as an inactive church member. If you consider yourself an inactive church member, the Bible doesn't consider inactive church members. They consider that as backsliding. So there's no such thing as a biblical inactive church member. You're just an old backslider that refuses to serve the Lord and be active in the Lord's church. Biblically speaking, sermon number two, a biblical church member is a unifying church member. Unifying church member. If you remember, we looked at John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so, how am I to love? Well, Jesus says, I'm to love like he loves. 1 Corinthians 13, the wedding chapter, better known as the love chapter, was written to let Christians know how we should love. Not just husbands and wives, but all people in general. So we're to love. We're to love like Jesus loved. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. Now how does he love us? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 says love suffers long. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love doesn't hold grudges. Love is... Is, is stronger than death, love goes to the very end. And then there's an impulse. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, here's the impulse, as I've loved you. 
So I'm to love Brother Terry and Brother Eddie as Jesus has loved me. But after I love them that way, there's an impact. An impulse, but an impact. And the impact is, by this shall everyone know that I'm his disciple because I have love one for another. So there is an impulse. I'm to love like Jesus loves. When I do that, it brings about an impact. And people know that I'm a Christian by the way that I love. Unity is very vital to the health of the church. We all must be team players if we're going to reach our community and our town for Jesus Christ. And so a biblical church member contributes to the unity of the church. And then sermon number three. I will not let church be about my, my preferences and my desires. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. Remember in Mark chapter 9, his disciples were discussing things among themselves and they, became to the, they came to the point where they were arguing among themselves about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus pulls them over to the side. In verse 35, Mark 9, setting down, he called the twelve. He said to them, if anyone wants to be first, if you want to be first, he must be last. In order to be first, you must be last. And then he says, and servant of all. It's about others. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about others. It's about being a servant. Jesus demonstrated this in his own life in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus emptied himself, and he became a servant. The scriptures in that chapter says Jesus humbled himself. The scripture says that Jesus became obedient, even to the death of the cross. So, being first will get you in last position. But being last will get you in first position. So it's not about being first at the church, it's about being last at the church and serving others. Church is not about you and your desires and your preferences. It's about us serving each other. And so today we want to look at an, uh, another qualification for a biblical church member. A biblical church member will lead their family to be healthy church members. Ephesians chapter 5. If you would look at verse 22, as we think about a biblical church member will lead their family to be healthy church members. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Husband the head, Christ the head. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands. See the comparison between the home and, uh, and Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives in verse 25. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and to cleanse it, speaking of the church, and... Uh, with, uh, cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now skip over to verse 32, or skip down to verse 32. He says, this is a great mystery. This is a great mystery. This correlation between 
the family and the church. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now I can honestly say that I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home that loved the church. My parents loved the Lord, but they loved the church. They not only went to church, but they loved the church. My dad and mom were both Christians. Both of them served the church. My dad taught a Sunday school class. My dad was a Sunday school superintendent. From time to time, it was before he was pastor, called to preach. Uh, he led the music, played the piano. He served the church. My mother was a, a Sunday school teacher. She taught children. She worked in vacation Bible school. And she, was, she loved the church. I was taught as a child to love the church. We were, we were one of those who went to church every time the doors were open. Um, now, we didn't go to church every time the doors were open because we were trying to obtain salvation. We didn't go to church every time the doors were open because we felt guilty if we didn't go. We went because my parents loved the church. They loved the church. They just loved serving the church. They felt it was a great responsibility as a Christian to be an active part of the church. And they served the church, and they taught me to love the church. Now, some of you were raised that way. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you today are raising your children that way. Mary and Joseph raised, raised Jesus that way. In fact, they even left him at church one day. Had to go back and find him. Now, that is a characteristic of a biblical church member who understands that families are analogies of the church or to the church. In other words, families are like the church. And Jesus stipulated that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and following. Now, in order to lead your family to be healthy church members, you need to understand about four things, but I'm going to mention them real quick. Number one, church and family go together. Ephesians 5, 22 through 26. Ephesians 5, 32 and 33. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may livest long on the earth. Kids, if you want to have a, live a long life on the earth, be good to mama and daddy. That's what he's saying. And your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Paul said, we're to live, but we're to live as family, 
we're to love each family member unconditionally. I mean, I love, I love, my, I love Judy unconditionally. She loves me unconditionally. I love my son, Kyle. I love my daughter-in-law, Katie. I love my, my daughter, Corey, my son-in-law, Shane, my grandchildren, Judah and Canaan. I love them unconditionally. However, Paul said, I also speak concerning Christ and the church, Ephesians 5, 32 and 33. Meaning that those at church, although Judy loves me as imperfect as I am, and I love my children as imperfect as they are, Paul says, listen, I speak to you concerning Christ and the church, meaning those at church are not perfect either, but we are to love them also. The point is this, find joy and love in serving your own household, but also serving the local church. Parents, encourage your family members to be faithful to the church. Now, how can I do that? First of all, realize that church and family go together. Jesus doesn't, uh, Paul doesn't make a, uh, a difference there in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, where he speaks of husbands and our wives and husbands and children. Now, how can I, how can I do that? How can I, how can I be, how can I encourage my family members to be faithful to church? Realize church and family go together. Secondly, praying together as a family for the church. When's the last time you just had a family? prayer meeting, you say, hey, listen, before we go, before we close the prayer, let's make sure we pray for the church. Pray for the church leadership. Pray for, pray for the pastor. Pray for the, the preacher. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the leadership of the church. Pray for the protection of your leaders. Pray against moral failure. Did you know the number one reason that pastors resign churches today is simply because of moral failure? Pray for your preacher, your pastor, your deacons, your teachers, those in leadership. Pray for the preaching of the pastors. He preaches the Word of God. If you want a better preacher, just pray for me before I preach. Pray. Pray that I'll rightly divide the word of truth. Pray. Pray that, I'll, pray that I'll handle conflict in a positive way when we're faced with conflict in the church. Pray that it not just be a positive way, but it'll be a healthy way for the church. Pray for me in that regards. Pray for the families of the preacher. Pray for my children. Pray for my grandchildren. I was listening to an interview coming back from Montgomery Friday, and they were interviewing a rock singer, Alice Cooper, one of my favorites. No, I'm kidding. I don't even know who this guy is. I do know one song that he, he, he sung and sings. One Terry Wilburn whistles all time at summers. Uh, school's out for the summer. Is that it? School's out for the summer. You know what he said? This rock star, his dad was a preacher. And he named a half a dozen rock stars who, 
whose fathers were preachers. And he's all painted up, eyeshadow and all this, you know. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You know what happened to Alice Cooper? He got saved recently. Has a fantastic testimony now. But growing up, church forgot to pray for Alice Cooper. Pray for the pastor's children. They kind of live in a glass house. The pastor lives in a glass house. Preacher does. He and his family. You'd be surprised that those that pray that somehow, some way, that family will fall some way. That happens. Pray for encouragement. It's easy to get discouraged in ministry. That's the devil's number one tool in ministry is discouragement. Pray for physical strength. Pray for courage as, as we battle social and moral sins of our nation. Think what's going on today. Pray for the pastor as he leads the church and as we uh, take a biblical stance against homosexuality and against the redefinition of marriage and against alcohol and against the uh, legalization of drugs and, and, and the legalization of gambling. You know, I, just, I would just pray, and I was praying this morning, Lord, is there, not, is there not just one person in Montgomery that can figure out how to balance a budget without gambling? In the history of our state, that's never been the, the, the way that we balanced the budget since 1801. Is there any way we can do something without incorporating moral sin in our country? Surely there's someone in Montgomery that can figure out how to balance a budget without including gambling. That's another sermon for another time, I guess. Pray for wisdom and leadership. Teach your children, parents, teach your children to pray for their church and they'll grow up loving and serving the church. Talk up your church. Talk up your church. Talk down your church. Talk up your church. And the question is, how can I lead my family to be healthy Christians? Understand family and church go together, Ephesians 5. Pray together for the church. And number three, if you're jotting these down, I'll jot it down. Worship together as a family. Worship together as a family. Listen, as a Christian who loves the Lord and His church, it's my responsibility to lead my family to worship together in church. That's my God-given responsibility as the head of my household, as a parent, as a father, as a husband. Daddy and mom, it's very important for your family to see you love your church. Very important. Be active in serving in church, singing in church, praying in church, Be all about church. You'll never regret that one day. And if you're here and you're a single adult, people are watching you to see how you love the church. Young married couples, let me warn you, oftentimes your love for the church will determine whether you're building your house on rock, on a rock, solid foundation, which is Jesus Christ, or on sinking sand. It comes out in your love for the church. Love the church. 
Now today, you, you, you may have a spouse or a parent or a child who's, who's lost or backslidden. You may be the only believer in the household. That happens. Or you may be, you may be married and, and you're going to church all by yourself. That happens. But I'm going to tell you something. God's put you in a mission field. It's not in Romania. It's not in Nicaragua. It's not in Africa. It's not in Guatemala. It's just in your own family. And this is very important. Beware. Whether you know it or not, your spouse, your children, your parents are watching you to see how you love the church. They're watching And your godliness will often be demonstrated to them by you just simply going to church. A biblical church member leads their family members to be healthy church members because families and churches go together. We will pray as a family for my church. We will worship together as a family. And then, fourth and finally, I will fall deeply in love with the body of Christ. Now get this down. Make sure, as a church member, I'm not to merely like my church or to serve it well, but I'm to fall deeply in love with my church. Now why is that? Because Christ is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And I'm to pledge my unconditional love for the church because that's what Christ did to me. Didn't he? Didn't he pledge his unconditional love to you? Didn't he pledge his love to you unconditionally? Didn't, doesn't Romans 5, 8 say... But God proves his love for us that while we were yet sinners or still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't say, you do better and I'll die for you. Unconditional love loves at all times. And that's what I'm to have for the bride of Christ, the church, is unconditional love, a love that loves at all times. Times. Now, in closing, we've closed each sermon with a pledge, and we want to unite our families in love for our, our faith family this morning, the church. And, and so, if your families are believers who are part of our faith family, our, our body of Christ here, this Mountain View Baptist Church, then you should seek to pray together and worship together. Now, if there are unbelievers in your family, then you need to demonstrate a deep love for the church because uh, you need to demonstrate that before your family members because your love can influence and they can move your family members closer to Christ. Now, let me just say this again for singles. If you're single, remember others are watching you. How you love your church will impact their lives. Please don't forget that. A lot for us to look at this pledge together, and I pray this will be your pledge as well as my pledge. I am a church member. I will lead my family to be good members of this church as well. 
we will pray together for our church. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. We will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with this church because he gave his life for her. You love in the church is very important. Christ loved the church so much he gave his life for her. Unconditionally love. Unconditional love. And that's what he expects us to have as a biblical church member in regards to a local body of believers. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity that we have just to open your word and think about uh, our families and the church. I thank you that I had a mom and dad who just didn't go to church, but they loved the church. And when I was young, I didn't understand all that stuff. I wanted to stay home. I wanted to play with my cousins on Sunday afternoon. I wanted to watch Lassie at 6 o'clock. I never did get to do those things because mom and dad would say, well, it's time to get ready to go to church. But now I understand why they felt that way. They just loved the church. And uh, as weak as I am, I feel like I'm a better person in regards to my my growth as a Christian and that I had parents that felt that way about the church. I pray for mamas and daddies here today that they'd commit themselves to, to love the church, to serve the church, pray for the church, to worship in the church for their families. And I know, Lord, in doing so, you're going to bless them one day. You have me. And I know you'll bless others. And so I pray, Lord, today that we've seen a new light when it comes to our responsibility and love in the church. I thank you, Lord, for each person here. I, I don't know what all people are dealing with this morning, but I pray for those that are without Christ. I pray that you'll speak to their heart and realize that while they're sinners, you were willing to die on the cross for them that they could have eternal life. Thank you for what you're going to do today. Allow your Holy Spirit to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And Lord, as the invitation is given, that people will be moved to decisions. Some need to be saved today. Some need to come in rededication of their life today. Some need to come in a renewed commitment to the church today. Some perhaps may need to transfer memberships if you've led them here. But whatever your Holy Spirit is directing in our lives, we pray that we'll be obedient. Thank you for an opportunity we have just to hear your word and to see, Lord, how you've put the family and the church together in Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.